0: Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K12 Education Talk Radio, and it's the 27th. I can't believe it's the end of September already. The 27th of September, 2023. We have got a wonderful show for you today. We got Pulitzer Prize-winning author of the book, the death, the new book. I want to say, the death of public school. That's Kara Fitzpatrick. I'm thrilled to have her here. I got the book. On Saturday, I have read about half of it, and it's absolutely incredible. And the subtitle of it, I just want to tell you this, is um, How Conservatives Won the War over education in america we're going to talk about that uh, whether there is a war who won is it still going on etc that's a warning Kara. what we're going to be talking about today besides all the other things that we have to go over in this amazing book it's just absolutely incredible i have it linked here up on site where it says this is a terrific book learn more here click over there you can buy the book it's great stuff all right, and Kara's going to be with us for a half hour or so to tell us how she wrote it, what it's about, and uh, all the details within. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. That's dot o r g. That's the home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education, and that's what a lot of this book is all about, equity in education. So it's really fascinating. Please go over there, check it out. Our magazine is there, the podcasts are there, all the information is there. Our Excellence in Equity Awards program is there. It's now open uh, for, uh, I think actually in a couple of days, open for educators. We had the industry side for equity, now we're doing the educator side. It's all going to be explained over there. Check all the links, check all the information over at ace-ed.org. Everything we do is free. Please go check it out. Don't be scared. We're not going to harass you or anything like that. And if you want to get in touch with me, it's Larry at ace-ed.org. Don't hesitate to write. I love hearing from you, getting your suggestions, etc. And without further ado, who so called in from a uh, 561 number, okay, when she told me she lives <laughs> in New York. My wife has the same thing. We live in Maine. She's got a 561 number in Florida. Hi, Kara. It's Larry here. How you doing?
1: Hi. Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yes, I still have my Florida number, but I have moved to yeah. New York.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say, are you planning to go down there to get get warm when New York starts to freeze over? Like I should oh, I am I going. Maine. Yeah.
1: yeah, I am going in October, um, for a book event in Saint Petersburg and I am excited about that.
0: You should be in Saint Petersburg is beautiful. That whole side of the state is absolutely gorgeous. Okay, Kara, welcome to the podcast. I'm really thrilled you're here. I'm loving your book.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh no, with my pleasure. Please come back any time, um, uh, Kara. I just want to tell people you are the winner of the Pulitzer Prize. Congratulations! You are the second Pulitzer Prize winner I actually know. Uh, the other oh, one. Oh nice. uh, Yeah, it's cool. It's so cool. He won for a sci- for a fic, for Excuse me, for science writing way back around 1982. Jeff Lyons, a good friend of mine in Chicago, and now you, Kara. Okay, Pulitzer oh, wow. Prize. That's a that's a huge deal. And that was for local reporting, which I which of course is a little bit lost these days. Talk, talk, just tell yeah. us what you did for that, for your Pulitzer Prize. That's so cool.
1: Sure. Sure. I was a reporter at the Tampa Bay Times. Um, and I actually, I worked on a series about school segregation in Pinellas County, um, yeah. with a good friend of mine, Lisa Gartner, and also with my husband, uh, Michael LaForge. And, um, and so I think we were the second or third couple a married couple to ever win a pulitzer wow. together which is kind of cool wow um yeah kind of wow. funny um but um but yeah so that that was a story or a series of stories about uh school segregation in the public yeah. schools in Pinellas County Florida
0: Well thanks for doing that and congratulations on winning that it that is a huge deal Okay, a huge deal, i got to tell you. This book, and I hope everybody reads this, okay, The Death of Public... That guarantees you an obituary, by the way, in the New York Times, the Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> it guarantees you Good. an obituary. Congratulations. Look forward to. Yeah, well, I'll tell you now, because unfortunately you won't be around to see it, but it'll, I'm sure it'll be wonderful, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I started reading the book, and and, and, and the book, I, I just love it, The Death of Public School. But it started, and I have to tell you, I'm reading it slowly because there's so much information in there, and um, my mouth was open and my eyeballs were agape at the, I think just the first few chapters. Okay. Because oh good.
1: That's a good Yeah, sign. And I'll, t- I'll tell you
0: why. I'll tell you why. I you know, I I taught history, okay? But I did I must have missed a little bit of history because so and you're going to talk about this. You started the book talking about segregation in the South and you moved the book forward to talk about the cultural wars today regarding that school vouchers let's get rid of public schools etc cetera, etc cetera. let's ban books in public schools let's do everything we can to make it difficult the whole time going back to say seg- segregation as i said it's always an equity question and it, as ken burns once said it all boils down to race in the end okay and i'm curious about this okay what, what got you to get it started with segregation In the South, it's the most amazing chapter all that went on. I still can't believe it. Talk about that. You start this. Today's culture wars about schools started actually before it, but really modern times in 1954 or thereabouts in the 40s when when you know what was going on, school segregation. Carry your word. The book book starts in the 50s.
1: Yeah. um, So one of the things I was sort of captivated by when I started doing the research was this issue that, that school vouchers had some of its origin story in segregation in the South um in the years leading up to Brown versus Ford. And um and I thought that was that was fascinating and something that I was not as familiar with as maybe I should have been. Um the flow. You know, I felt yeah. like I felt like that history is a little bit out there but but not as well known or understood. So I was interested in that era, um, partly because one of the things that you're always told about the history of school choice is that it started with Milton Friedman, you know, a conservative economist in 1955 who wrote this essay saying that we should have school vouchers instead of what he thought was a monopoly and And that is part of it. But segregationists actually preceded him by a few years. Yeah. uh, Because they saw, you know, they saw what was probably coming with Brown because the universities, there had been some court cases that started to desegregate the universities. And they saw that this was probably going to come for the public schools next. And they started looking for ways to essentially privatize the public school system, if necessary, if Brown happened, uh, you know, to avoid desegregating. And School of Vouchers was one of the mechanisms, essentially, that they, they looked at. So you did have Milton Friedman, but you also had segregationists. And then you also had uh, a lesser-known figure, Virgil Bloom, who was a priest in Milwaukee. Yes, yeah, he's, who he's was in Marquette.
0: I, I have to tell yeah, you something about that. I, yeah, I have to tell you something. I have very close friends who went to Marquette in Milwaukee. And I have been, oh, mocking, them incess- I have been mocking them incessantly this week. <laughs> Okay, based on your book. Well, so I, I will to go figure, to I'm going Bloom. to
1: Marquette. I'm going to Marquette in October as well, and I did some of the research for the book there. and It's, it's
0: a lovely place, so it, you can't. It, mock yes, it, it is. I agree, but I'm still going to um, mock my friends but, but, yeah, about it. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so Virgil Bloom was was also at the same time in the 1950s making a case for school vouchers or some kind of state aid to Catholic schools, to religious schools, because he thought it was an issue of discrimination against religious families. So I just was really interested in this idea that you could have in the same time period these very, you know, these three very different views of school vouchers. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's the place to start the book.
0: Yeah, one one secular, one religious, and one racial. It's that simple. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. For, and you Freeman, still see those threads. Yeah. yeah. You know, you yeah, still wow. see that subtext, all those, all those three things today. You see it throughout the entire history. And so I thought, you know, that's the way to start and then kind of trace these different ideas and the evolution over time. <sighs> it,
0: it's, it's a great way to start. But the interesting juxtaposition is that most Americans are very proud of the public school system. That's one of the things we have always prided ourselves on. That's the first thing, if I may bring, boil it down, that somebody, when they're buying a house, the first question they ask the realtor is, how are the schools? Okay, that's the yeah. first question. Okay, that's what determines property values, good or bad schools. All right, it's a big factor. All right, and yet we have this, this these groups that are trying to wreck it. I, uh, I would look very closely at Mrs. Betsy, former Secretary Betsy DeVos. Okay. They, their goal is to direct the system that basically everyone likes and people buy into this. And why? What, what's going on there? What, what, do you, what do you think that is? Why the juxtaposition like that? Cara. Well, it's
1: sort, of, it's sort of an interesting dynamic that's happening, especially right now where there's, there's been polling for quite a while, but the, the dynamic is, is especially happening now where parents, are, are satisfied, largely satisfied with their child's school and education, but actually the greater public has a dimmer view of the education system. And some of that is, is probably proximity. You know, if you're a parent and your child's going to school, you have a decent idea of what's happening in that school. And maybe you give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. They're doing the best job they can. That, that is at play, but the greater public actually their view of, of public education right now is it's dropped. It's lower than it's been in a while. And it's, um, there's kind of this dichotomy between those two groups. And I think some of that is what's going on politically, you know, Republicans have, have really made public education a target in recent years and have, have um, been attacking what's going on in schools. And, and, you know, so the public is getting some of that information.
0: Yeah. And it's brutal the way it's done because most people really like their schools. Okay. Yeah, well, a lot of people do. Really like the schools. That's the whole. It, it's the, the ju- To me, the juxtaposition is amazing. How it becomes politicized, and I guess, in a way, it always was. But boy, it's 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 it's, it's just crazy out there. What do you think? Okay, of public schools today, Kara. Oh, I meant to mention something. Pardon me for everybody. Okay, I meant to mention that Kara is an editor over Chalkbeat. Forgive me for not mentioning that, Kara. Okay, at chalkbeat.org. Oh, no yeah, and if you're not familiar with that, it's chalkbeat.org and you really should go over there. It's got great stuff, great information, okay? So everybody, yeah. That's for yeah. everybody, okay? just so, I'm sorry I didn't mention that earlier. I forgot, okay? No problem. So let me ask you this. What do you think these days, Cara Fitzpatrick, of public schools, okay? Now, public schools work in some places. I live in rural Maine, okay? They're okay, okay? This is an okay school district. That's the way I would rank it. Okay, where I where I live. All right, but it seems to me that over the course of many many years, okay, the schools have not worked well, uh, in 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 if I may, lower socioeconomic areas. Okay, and I'll use my where I'm my hometown, uh, my, my hometown Philadelphia, or I can use where I live close to in Boston. Okay, and you, I, I don't know if you saw it last week. PBS had a special about the school busing situation years and years ago in the Boston. Okay, and all it was was basically that this, this, even though they were part of the city, the school, the school board refused to fund the uh, the schools in the black neighborhoods. That's all it was, and they decided on busing this multi million dollar uh, mistake, okay, to try to correct the situation as opposed to what doing what the black parents wanted, which was just simply fund our schools the same way you're funding the schools in the white neighborhood. It's the same city, okay. My question is, does our public Do public schools work? Okay, you know, that's the first question that we have to answer before we get into all this school choice stuff. People want to make a choice because of a reason. If anybody would to make a choice, it's the black people. Okay, we always under-resource their schools. So what's going on with that? Are the schools working? In your opinion, author Kara Fitzpatrick.
1: Well, I that mean, was my, That was my
0: rant for today, by the way, Kara. That was my rant
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but it's it's a good question. I think it's at the heart of, of the entire issue because there's not much power in the school choice movement if the public schools are something that everyone wants to choose, right? That's at the heart of the whole issue. Yeah. If everyone's not in public schools, then there's not much power, you know, in having other options. So if those are popular or becoming more popular, perhaps there are some reasons for that. And I think, you know, I think the quality of public schools varies dramatically and some of the some of the inequities that are built into the system you know where you do have a different quality of yeah. resources or size of classes or more experienced teachers based on essentially where you live that's one of the major inequities built into the system it sure and is I've, you know i've experienced that as a parent you know i had my i have three kids and i had my older two in the New York City uh, public school system. And we had, you know, large class sizes, no library, you know, no band program. I think our art teacher left last year with budget cuts. And then the supply list, it was like, you know, copy paper for the teachers and cleaning supplies (laughs) and things that you might reasonably assume the district would provide for teachers. You know, that's not on the teachers. That's on the district. And um, we're a family of five, so we we've been priced out of the city. So we moved recently to the country, just like a one eighty here. And, <laughs> and the, I, li- I live uh, in
0: rural America too. That's perfectly yeah, all right. Yeah, so yeah.
1: so it's a bit of a, a bit of a shift here for my children who've been in in an apartment in the city, but this. <laughs> You know, it's um, smaller clouds. those sizes? things. They're
0: birds, honey. Those are called birds. Look at them. Oh. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Animals, yeah. Predators. Wow. <laughs> like, watch yeah. out for the coyotes. <laughs> Don't um, let the cat out. Yeah. But yeah, but it's a startling difference because actually the test were similar. Uh, but this school itself is just better resource their class sizes are almost half as small you know there's a library there's a band program and small there's more that you can do in the space you know in the space of the classroom and it's just you know my kids were looking around wide-eyed and and they're both public schools (laughs) you know both of those schools that they went to are public schools and so a lot of that Inequity is built into this system, and that's part of what people have to grapple with. And then it does work better for some kids than others, you know. And unfortunately, often what happens is that that the the people who need the most resources sometimes get less. You know, and that families aren't unaware of that. You know, families are aware of that. They see what their kids are getting, and they think, "Well, maybe this charter school down the road will do a better job, or this Catholic school has smaller class sizes." And you know, so they skip that.
0: Yeah, to me, to me, it's fascinating. And actually, what you wrote about school choice—that's exactly what you guys just did. OK, which is perfectly fine. You move to an area where the kids would get a better education. And the argument then is that why couldn't they get that? And why couldn't all the kids left behind in New York City get the same education? OK, that's kind of I think, although it's not a. I want to say this, it's a it's a state thing, but it's not a federal thing. That's something that we really, really want to do. Give every kid an equitable, and good, and solid education, and if we can't give it there, some parents can move away, okay, yeah. and, and and get it done, it's, it's that that's been the way it has been for how many, how many years now, since time began, okay, you move away to, to a better place, etc. and so I have to ask this question, your book is called The Death of Public School, okay, and again, I love this book, right, it, it's, it's, it's is it necessarily bad, considering what we just said – this is a weird question that, – that public schools are, aren't – that maybe they deserve to die and be re- reborn like the phoenix, okay, and, and change. So that's – you know it, it, it's just so unequal. I know everybody's trying, and I know what people are up against. It's based on taxation and all that sort of thing. It raw property values, et cetera. But is the death necessarily bad? In other words, are, are school vouchers a bad thing or a good thing? Where, where do we want to be on this, Kara, I'm so philosophical today; it's unbelievable. You're bringing out the bad, You're bringing out my smarts here. Okay, thank you, Kara.
1: Well, I mean, I think I think it is kind of a philosophical discussion in a lot of ways. So I I love that aspect of it. But but you know, I don't I don't know if it's as simple as good or bad. And and you know, and I think the fact remains that despite the title of the book, which I think the movement itself, the school choice movement, raises that question about where is this all going? Is it leading to the death of public school? But despite that, at the moment, the majority of American kids still go to public schools, right? I mean, those numbers have declined, but it's still the majority of kids who are going to the public school system. And I think part of the question from a policy standpoint, you know, has to be are the options, you know, that school choice provides, are they better? That's one major question, Mm -hmm. you know, that has to be examined. And, you know, if we're going to talk about maybe replacing something or having a a much larger percentage of kids use these other options, are they better and in what ways, you know? And then is is it a solution? Is it a policy solution Mm -hmm. to some of the problems in public schools? Because if some of those problems are inequities, there are other solutions you know, you could fund some of these school systems Hello. better. Yeah, That's a potential. Exactly. You could you so, could use the money better. There's lots of different ways to use tax dollars. You could have smaller class sizes. You know, there's there's a lot of different policy solutions when you're talking about public schools that really have nothing to do with school choice. So I that has to be part of the conversation. Are these are these options that, that school choice seeks to provide, are they better? And and yeah. and do they improve and some are the and system? some
0: aren't some are, some aren't. That's the way it works. I, my son lived in New Orleans for a while. There's a lot of charter schools down there. Oh, yeah. The school, yeah, the school district was not doing so well. I don't know what the status is right now. Okay. But I had friends who actually taught in charter schools, and they were terrible, at least the schools they were in. Okay. They, 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 it was just terrible. All right. And you got to be careful on these charter schools because sometimes they're even run by people who aren't in education. And know nothing about it, and they're going in. You know, that's another challenge, right there. And you know, Karen, let me ask you this. You know, does the choice question force public schools to do better? In other words, we we don't we don't. I don't like this. I don't like this whole movement because it has it has the wrong roots to it. it. Has the wrong reasons for it. I I like the idea, but I don't like why they do it. But they're doing it. Okay, the culture wars, all this sort of stuff. Everything's changed since the pandemic. But does school choice force public schools who had literally, pardon the monopoly on this, it forces them, okay, to say, hey, maybe we maybe we do need to change. Is there, is there a benefit to this uh, to the school choice movement like that for the
1: public schools to force the change? Yeah, there's a little there's a little bit of research that that shows that there are some competitive effects. That actually competition does have an effect on the public school system because yeah. obviously the people running the public schools are not unaware of options that may be drawing students away. They want to keep students because the students represent dollars, right? Yes, they so do. So that's how they're paying for the schools. So so there are some competitive effects that research has shown, and it's. It's sort of interesting because it, it depends a little bit, again, on on the details because maybe the schools increase their test scores in response to competition, but, in, but there's also research showing that in areas where there's a or more of charter schools that all of the sort of metrics in the system improve. Maybe the graduation rate goes up, you know, test scores go up. But part of the reason for that is that the lowest performing traditional public schools close. So again, it's kind of a policy question. The metrics go up, the schools improve because of competition, but part of it is because they're closing the lowest performing schools. So some people might argue that instead of closing those, they should have done something else to improve them. Yeah. You know, yeah. So you kind of have to grapple with the complexity of that. But, but competition does have an effect.
0: Right. It, re- it really does. And hopefully it, it, it forces the issue, which I think is so port- important. The other thing I wanted to ask you and is, is, is the uh, subtitle of your book, which is how conservatives won the war over education in America. And my question is, did they? OK, is, is, it, is this a war? Is it already won? OK, or where's that where's that stand? That 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 particular thing. Do you think the quote, the conservative thought, is winning or Well, will win?
1: so this is this has been kind of interesting for me because um, it's this is such a polarizing subject. People feel so yeah, strongly is. about school choice, and I think I have found like the one area of agreement, which is that everyone hates that title of the, of the <laughs> book. I mean, it, it really has I'm angered. I didn't, on, on, I didn't know. But that. really, I'm it's so angered so people good. on both sides. <laughs> um you know cuz cause I cause I hear from I hear from conservatives who yeah. are who are very happy to win but don't want to don't want to say that this is going to harm the greater public school system cuz maybe that yeah. doesn't help exactly. their cause. And then I hear from <laughs> I hear from liberals who say oh they haven't won yet, you know. They might yeah. be winning in some places, but this isn't over and it's like okay, everybody's mad. Um,
0: everybody's mad. I'm not mad. Yeah, I'm but, not mad. I was just right. curious, not mad.
1: You know. I had I had one person tell me yesterday they loved that title and I was like so you're the guy because <laughs> almost almost no one does. But, that, that, um,
0: that is funny because because my next question was going to be and this is this is again I, I I'm pretty liberal okay but uh, my question is how conservatives w well is that necessarily bad okay if most people want it to be this way is that necessarily bad your thoughts
1: well so yeah, and I'm a liberal let me, let me go the... through
0: that I'm a liberal I'm leaning <laughs> to the left okay so. But is that necessarily bad if that's what most people
1: want? That's what I don't well, know. So first I was gonna say the reason the reason that I opted for one as opposed to winning or some other you know, some other configuration was that I, I was really looking at from where from where we started, where you could say in American history that we had a robust public school system that was the main system for everyone, you know, because that's not at the beginning of the country's history. But but roughly 100, 150 years ago, we started with this system of public education and really didn't have anything else that was publicly funded to where we are now. Wow. Where wow. you're looking at, you know, where we have school vouchers and we have charter schools. And you really can start to say that a place like Florida has a very different, really radically different educational system than a place like Washington State, you know, yes. where you can well, you can start to, to compare those things and see how differently some states are funding what is essentially public education when you're paying for it. You know, it starts to raise this question of, well, what is public education if you're going to a Catholic school and it's paid for by the state? You know, at what point is that? Public education, so so that was where I kind of came down with. Well, they've they've won this already because it's so different from where we started, and and crucially, they've they've gotten they've gotten legal victories. You know, where the Supreme Court has said yes, you can do this, and that was not assured, and that that was a long trek in itself. You know, all of these legal cases that are in the book, and so I just looked at that and thought. These are stunning victories from where the school choice movement started with really nothing at all. I mean that's that's a stunning transformation in about 60-70 years. Yeah, it so is. that's where I that's where I kind of came down with the I love it. the subtitle. Um and then <laughs> you know whether or not it, whether or not it's bad is a is a big question and I as a journalist felt like I wanted yeah. to leave that open because As a journalist, I don't think that I should be writing an opinionated partisan book. Other people have done that. So I very deliberately chose not to do that. And I sort of have some driving questions in the introduction about, well, what does this mean for democracy? What does this mean for the public school system? You know, what does this mean for community? And then I don't answer rather deliberately because I think that actually is up to voters and and communities themselves. It is. So... However that okay. goes is is you know what people maybe where, want where you, in that area where do you think it's
0: gonna go. Where do you think it's gonna go?
1: I mean, I'm very bad at predictions so I've been trying to avoid this um <laughs> but well, use the magic but, eight ball that's always right yeah Gask yeah i'm I'm, yeah. I'm terrible at predictions, as it turns out. you know, I thought the pandemic would be short, so um I'm <laughs> not the person to ask <laughs> these things. Well but, it was um, short compared to the black P- plague. It was short, well, yeah, yeah. relatively yeah. speaking in in yeah. human yeah. history yeah. maybe yeah. yeah but but um, but I you know, I feel like it it would for the people who are opposed to school choice who are fighting it in a lot of different places it it sort of feels like attacking these small fires and 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 winning in some small ways, you know, maybe they get the charter school law to tighten up a little bit in California you know, maybe a, a referendum goes down. But, but choice is, is just exploding right now. Mm-hmm. And, Agreed. And I, I don't know that you can walk that back, especially because one of the things that school choice advocates have learned over time is that when you provide a, a public benefit, which is essentially what that becomes, to a larger group of people, then those people are going to push back really hard at any effort to end the program. So even in places where, you know, maybe Republicans got a program passed and then a Democrat becomes governor or something and they try to end the program, it never happens because there is such a backlash from the families who are using it. Mm -hmm. So the most that we really see happen is maybe they tighten up some regulations or some accountability. You know, we've seen that over time with Milwaukee's program where a Democrat has come into power and said, I'm going to end this program. And they don't end it. But maybe they tighten it up in some way, you know I don't and that's think, what
0: that's what we need yeah
1: well, it I mean that's an open question too. How much accountability, you know, what kind of accountability but, exactly. but so i just don't I just don't yeah. see all of this fading away. you know the numbers may wax and wane, but i just don't I don't see it fading away i think I think we will probably, as a country, be spending more public money on private education for years to come.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I'm sure you know this, but up in Canada, they already do this, you know. Uh, you do know that, I'm sure. That, that,
1: <laughs> well, other you know, countries, they, they, the other government countries pays, have a lot of pays The government ways.
0: pays for religious schools. They just don't pay for the religious part. So they fund them, let's say, 80%, whatever that number might be. Okay? You know yeah, that? Yeah,
1: it's, 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 it's interesting how other countries do things. People always talk to me about Chile because they had vouchers, and, and Milton Friedman has a slight connection there. Um, you know, and that system has ended up sort of stratified, which is what people worry about um, for our system. But um, when I was writing the book, people would ask me about other countries, and I was like, no, no, no. Like there's already <laughs> so much to address and deal with yeah. in American uh, education, so I, I avoided making some of those comparisons. But I do get questions from people who say, well, you know, a European country has thirty percent of kids in private schools. Like, what's wrong with that? It's like, well, I mean, nothing is really wrong with that. That's not not sort of the question. But I think we've always had somewhere around ten to twelve percent of kids in
0: yeah. in private and, schools.
1: And, and, and I, I want to end
0: this by saying, you know, the public schools part of the re- they were not only created to educate people. The public schools they were created to make good citizens. All right, yeah. and that is an extremely important thing about democracy the public schools were created for that and i guess definition of good citizen these days is also political okay which is scary right there but one of the a things whole they, other yeah.
1: subject. <laughs> yeah
0: i know i know and uh, you know when we lose that aspect of our country that's very difficult okay that's what common core they tried to do that with the curriculums years ago like a few years ago 10 years ago whatever the heck it was and that didn't work okay, even though it was was the Republicans who were against it, yet it was a Republican who started, I can't remember his name, the governor of Georgia, okay, that was a bipartisan thing from the governors, and um, it just didn't work, and when we start to lose public schools, okay, we we lose a little bit of democracy, we lose a little bit of citizenship, and that to me is another important factor in all this, and it's just so important. Kara, this was great, I love talking to you, and I can't tell you how much i enjoy the book and i wish you the very best with it it's great
1: thank you so much thanks for having me on
0: this was fun oh my pleasure and (laughs) you did just know you did good okay you did good i really appreciate it you're doing good with the book thank you thank you take care and enjoy upstate new york thank you Kara. yes
1: thank you you're (laughs)
0: welcome bye-bye she's terrific Kara's book is The Death of Public School. The subtitle is How Conservatives Won the War Over Education in America. And Kara uh, is a Pulitzer Prize winner and a uh, editor at Chalkbeat, and Chalkbeat.org is uh, really something to uh, check out as well. Um, so please, check it all out. Okay, I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Thanks so much for listening, and you guys have a great day. And if you want me, A-Stat Larry at org. Thanks.